Well, welcome to our broadcast today to the wonderful words of life. We are going to be in Hebrews chapter 4 today, and we're going to be talking about entering into the rest of God. So this is a very interesting chapter. Uh, it's going to be a very uh, blessed chapter. It's going to be a tremendous blessing to you. And we're going to be talking about the practical and the vital sides of our redemption that is in Christ Jesus and enjoying the rest and the peace of God that comes to us through faith in Him. But before we begin, I want to read to you uh, the psalmist, the 150th division of the psalm. Notice what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. And praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's do that for just a moment or two. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We bless the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. We glorify you, Father. You are the great and mighty God. There's none besides you. Lord, you're so faithful to us. And we want to take a moment and just to thank you for all of the blessings that have come to us through our great apostle and high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who is our Lord. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, Lord, just enter into this time of study. Lord, increase our knowledge. Increase it, Father God. Help us to see and to know what your will is in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. It is good to praise God. Okay, now in the previous chapter, chapter 3, it was Paul that was exhorting the Hebrew Christians concerning an element of doubt and unbelief. And if we go back into the Old Testament, well, actually, if we actually would just go into the Gospels also, well, actually, uh, when we think about it, we can go through the entire Bible and we can find elements of doubt and unbelief in the people of God. And uh, this element of unbelief eventually caused them to miss out on the promised land, talking about that particular uh, generation that rebelled against God in the wilderness. And so chapter four now is uh, Paul's admonition to the Hebrew Christians. And it also applies to us today also to enter into the rest of God. And we do that by faith. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm, I want to read three verses out of chapter 3. And then I want to read chapter 4. I want to read the first uh, 11 verses in chapter 4. And I want us to see how many times the Apostle Paul uses the word rest. All right, let's begin in chapter 3, verse 11, and then verse 18. Notice he says, So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Verse 18, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. Now I want you to notice this word rest is, uh, 
is the Greek word katapasos, katapausis. That's how you go. That's how you pronounce it. Katapausis. And what it means, it means a resting place. Amen. I want you to remember that a resting place. All right. Now, let's go to chapter four. Uh, we'll read verses one. Uh, actually, let's go ahead, and read verses one and then verse three, and then we'll read verse four. Notice what Paul writes. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, look at verse four. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work. Now, in, uh, in this verse, Paul is speaking of the sabbatical rest that God enjoined after the six days of creation. And so I think this is a very important, and we'll see that once we get into our verse-by-verse -verse study, we'll see how important uh, this is. All right, now, verses 5 and verse 8. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. And then 9, 10, 11. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And then verse 11. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So Paul is speaking here of a rest. He's speaking of uh, we could say it this way. He's, he's speaking of the act of resting. Amen. And he uses a Greek word, uh, sabbatissimos, and that, of course, that word has been translated Sabbath. Amen. Resting place, resting on the seventh day. But now I want you to notice something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Listen to this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Notice that, unto your souls. Now, Matthew, in recording these words of Jesus, uses a different word translated rest. It's anaposis. Or anapausis, actually, I think that's how it's pronounced. Anapausis. And this Greek word is speaking of a place of rest. And see, here's the difference. See, Jesus, through faith in him as our Savior and Lord, through becoming born again, a born again child of God, Jesus has provided a place of rest for every soul that comes to him. And that place is in him. Amen. But now the Apostle Paul in Hebrews <clears throat> is talking about an act of rest. And I think that's very important for us to understand before we get into our study. So the thought is this. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Meaning 
a place of rest. And like I said, this place is found in Christ, Christ alone. But now Paul in Hebrews, he's talking about an act of resting. And we enjoin this act of resting or we perform this act of resting or we receive, let's say it this way, we receive this act of resting by faith. So we receive Jesus Christ. We receive the place of rest by faith. But then we enjoin into the act of resting. How do we do it? We do it by faith, by our walk of faith, by daily trusting Christ and his word for everything that we need. Amen. All the promises of God are yes and amen to us who believe, praise God. So Christ has provided a place of rest. We could say it this way. So God the Father has provided a place of rest, and that is found in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, once we are born again, now we continue in that rest through an act of faith and daily devotion. So we access the place of rest through Christ, and then we act upon this place of rest. We enjoy this, this rest by acting upon it by daily trusting in the Lord. Now, I want to read you a portion of Scripture. This is going to be found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 through 9, and then we'll get into our study. Notice what, Paul, uh, what Peter writes. He says, As his divine power has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has caused us, or called us rather, to glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these we may become partakers of his divine nature. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about us being born again, entering into that place of rest, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, notice this. For this reason, giving all diligence, and we need to underline that word diligence, giving all diligence. That means day by day, day by day, day by day, doing the same thing, day by day, daily devotions, daily commitment, daily confession, daily yielding to the Holy Ghost, daily yielding to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God, amen, to, uh, uh, to practically... I'll say it this way, to practically affect our lives. Amen, praise God. It's not just words on a page. It's a living and powerful thing, and we'll find that out. All right, now, Peter says this, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Notice this, For if these things be in you and abound... You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was formerly purged of his old sins. And so we see here in this passage that I've read to you out of Second Peter, there is the place of rest where we become partakers of God's divine nature. But then there's the act of resting while we practically apply all of the promises of God to our life and we do it on a daily basis. So um, 
I want this to be fresh in our mind as we get into our study. So let's let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter four. We'll begin in verse one. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, I want you to notice the subjunctive nature of this admonition. Let us therefore fear. Let us therefore fear. So that leaves the connotation now that we can not fear. And the kind of fear we're talking about here, it comes from the Greek word phobeo, and it means to be alarmed. It means to stand in awe of something and to revere something. It means to have a reverential respect for Almighty God that would cause us to shrink back from doing anything that would displease Him. And if we find ourselves doing something or saying something that uh, is displeasing to God, our conscience, amen, pricks us and we immediately, we're quick to repent and then we're quick to seek God for forgiveness and we straighten that out and we make a determined effort upon our part that we're never going to do that again. Amen. That's that's walking in true repentance. That's enjoying the act of resting. Amen. Now, Paul says this. He says, a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. You can be in the place of rest and be in total and complete turmoil. You can be outside of the will of God, but yet you're in that place of rest, but you can be completely out of the will of God. Now, uh, verse two, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Not, notice that not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Do you know what that word not that phrase not being mixed means? It implies what happens when we ingest food. And that food is digested and it causes the vitamins and the uh, minerals um, to uh, enter into our body to give us strength and to give us health. I remember years ago when I was much younger than I am now, uh, the pastor of the church where I was going and joined us and and challenged us to go on a three day fast before a revival. And so I took up the challenge. And back then, I had no problem at all going three days without food or water. That, that was the challenge, a three-day fast. And so I decided to do that. Now, I would, now let, me, let me correct myself. I did drink water. I just didn't eat any food. And I continued on my daily activities. I worked, and I, I practiced softball. I was playing softball back then. I exercised. I went here and there and everywhere. And after about the sixth, second day, I remember when I was out, practicing baseball, all the energy and all the strength left my body. I could barely get one foot in front of another. And I tell you, that 24-hour period from the second day to the third day seemed like an eternity. But when I fulfilled that challenge, that three-day fast, I went and ate. And as soon as I ate, as soon as that food began to be digested, my strength and my energy returned. Why? Because the all of the all of the strength, all of the nourishment in my body had been depleted. I was enjoying the strength and the vitality after I had eaten. You see, and spiritually speaking, 
If we're not spending time in the Word of God every day, if we're not reading and meditating and following after a good somebody who's a good teacher and preacher of the Word of God, if we haven't developed a devotional life where every day we go before the Lord in prayer and we spend a few moments uh, praying and sensing the Spirit of God, uh, the tangible presence of God rise up on the inside of us. Amen. And that, that note of victory in our soul before we head out that door and go to work. If we're not doing that, if we're spending all of our time doing things of the world, watching TV, carnal television, carnal conversation, we're around sinners eight hours a day, we come home, we're tired, we watch TV, we go to bed, and we don't participate in any of the spiritual things that the Apostle Peter was talking about. If we're not adding to our faith on a daily basis, we are sapping ourselves of the strength and the nourishment and the vitality that comes from the life of God. And so we find ourselves in a place exactly where the Israelites found themselves. Let me read verse 2 again. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You may be a born-again child of God. You may have entered into the place of rest, but you're not acting upon that rest. You are not enjoining an act of resting, and that's why you're frustrated. That's why you're depressed. That's why you find yourself out of fellowship with God. There are Christians that spend all of their time fellowshipping with people that are outside of the church. Why? Because they have more in common with them than they do the people in the church. They've, they go to church and they feel like a stranger. And here they are. They're supposed to know God. They have come across I mean, that bridge through Christ and they've entered into the place of God, but heavenly realities are not real to them. You see, just like the heavenly realities that God was offering the children of Israel, they weren't real to them. The only thing they saw was their thirst. The only thing they saw was their hunger. The only thing they saw was the dryness of the desert. They did not take any time to watch and see the cloud that followed them by day. They took no time uh, to consider the fire, the pillar of fire that kept them warm at night. They took absolutely no account of the angel of the Lord that was going before them, that was causing them to be victorious. And so when they got to the Jordan River and the spies came back and 10 spies brought up an evil report, they chided against Moses, they chided against God, and they wanted to turn back and they wanted to go back to Egypt. Actually, they apostatized. And I was going to wait a little bit before I got into this, but seeing how I'm already here, let me go ahead and say this. You know, people who are not daily devoted to Christ, they are backslidden. And you may be a church member. You may say, huh, not me. I'm not backslidden. I go to church every Sunday. But are you enjoying the act of resting? If you're not, if you're not daily being filled with the Spirit of God, if you're not, if, if the Word of God is not the joy and rejoicing of your heart, if you've gone days and weeks without ever opening up the Word of God, the only time you hear the Word is on a 30-minute or a 20-minute sermon on Sunday morning. That's the only time you open your Bible. Many go to church and don't even bring their Bibles anymore. Well, you know, we have iPhones. They don't even open up their iPhones to read the Word of God. We as church members, we 
I'm talking about all of us. We have become church members, such lazy church members that now the church, the leaders, the pastors got to put the word up on the, uh, the projector screen in order for us to be able to read it. We've got a Bible right in front of us, but yet we won't even grab it and open it up. You see, we're not enjoying the fruits of our redemption. We're not enjoying the act of resting. And I may be talking to you today. Well, I, I got good news for you. You can change right now. You can change in an instant. And all of that depression and all of that sadness and all of that emptiness and, and your life just seeming, your spiritual life seeming like it's a vacuum, all of that can dissipate in just a moment of time. Listen, folks, I know what I'm talking about. There's times I wake up in the morning. I am 100% a flesh man. I am 100%. I don't want to enjoy anything spiritually today. I've got things in my mind that I'd like to do in the natural. But, I, but discipline will teach us. Discipline will teach us to put God first. And so as we go into our prayer closet, even when we don't want to, we go into our prayer closet and we begin to pray. And guess what happens? That wheel within a wheel that Ezekiel talked about begins to turn. And here comes the tangible presence of God begins to rise up on the inside of us. And then, and then our mind is set right. Our whole life now is re recommitted and reconsecrated and resubmitted to Christ and his lordship. And we're ready for the day. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I've just preached myself happy. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we have to take the word of God, the word that is preached, and we have to mix it with faith, just like the, the food that we ingest is mixed within the digestive system, providing the energy and the minerals and the vitamins that we need for our bodies to be healthy. That's, that is a healthy Christian life. When we ingest the word of God like we do our daily bread, praise God. We'll find ourselves full of the Spirit. We'll find ourselves uh, energized. The life of God will just permeate out of us. All that comes through the act of resting. Even though we're in a place of rest. Let, let me give you an example here. All right. So the Lord Jesus finds you. He finds you in an old one-room shack. You've got slats for walls. No insulation. Nothing's closed up. It's just one big empty room. There's no running water. There's no heat. There's no air, AC. There's nothing. No temperature control whatsoever. And here you are. You're cold. You're thirsty. You're starving. And then Christ finds you. And he draws you and you come to him. And then he, he finds you a mansion. This is a mansion. I'm talking about a mansion on acres of lush green grass, looks like a green carpet, takes you into this house. Everything in this house is furnished for you. The perfect temperature, everything, the perfect amount of food, everything, every, every want and desire is met. But you constantly and continually live on the front porch or on the back porch. All this is available. It's all available to us, every bit of it. But we're not enjoying in it, even though that place is ours. We've got this place called rest, praise God. But we're not involved in the acting of rest. 
So once again, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden today? Are there things in your family, on the job, things that are uh, transpiring around you that are uh, that are robbing, attempting to rob your peace and joy in the Lord? Are you frustrated and angry? Well, let me ask you a question. How much time have you spent in the word of God? Have you spent enough word? Have you spent enough in the word of God? to really sense his presence, for the word of God to talk to you? Do you have a hearing ear? Do you have a seeing eye? Do you have an understanding heart, a pliable heart, a soft heart, a hungry heart that you must have the presence of God with you every day? Because if you don't have his, the sense of his presence in your life, you're a miserable creature. Well, how miserable... Are you, or say it this way, what misery are you experiencing today out of fellowship with God? Let's reverse that. Let's become miserable if we don't sense God's presence in our heart and life. And that's basically what we're learning here in Hebrews chapter 4. Now let's move on because we're running out of time. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, Paul here is talking about Numbers chapter 14, where the children of Israel turned back because of the, the, the ten spies that brought an evil report. Verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, and they to whom was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Now, here's the danger of living a carnal life and not making the Word of God, placing the Word of God first in our life and not developing a devotional prayer life. It leads to backsliding. These people, remember Massa, remember Massa, remember Meribah, when they chided against Moses, and God went to Moses and said, what am I going to do? Moses said, speak to the rock. Smite. No, he said, strike the rock. And when he did that, water came out. God didn't rebuke the children of Israel then. He gave them what they wanted. But yet they did not continue in the word of God. They did not continue. So when they got to the Jordan River and the ten spies brought back an evil report, that backsliding turned into apostasy and they lost out with God. They died in the wilderness. They were never able to get into that place of rest. See, that's the danger when we live a very carnal, hard-hearted, backslidden life. And there are many that have done that. All right, now let's read again, verse, uh, begin in verse 8. No, let's go back up to verse uh, seven. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For, verse eight, if Jesus, actually that word is Joshua, Yeshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? See, the Israelites went into the promised land but now Paul is talking about something other than just being in the land. Amen. Only Jesus 
we can enter into that eternal place of rest. Now, verse 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There still remains for God's people a rest like God's rest that he enjoyed on the seventh day. Praise God. Amen. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Talking about the act of resting. It requires labor. It requires the work of faith. And we do that every day. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, here's the hinge. Amen. This is the hinge that determines whether or not we're a carnal, backslidden, or we are victorious as a believer in Christ. 12 and 13, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, 14 through 16, we'll continue next week. But I want to go ahead and end this, the word of God. This is the word. This is the mirror. This is the thing. This is the, the, the thing that God grants to us. His powerful word that determines whether we're going to be in defeat or whether we're going to be in victory. Amen. Now, there's a, an example that I want to give. And I found this in reading after Charles Spurgeon. He would go down to the poor district and he would visit a widow woman. This widow woman had absolutely nothing, had no future. She just had enough money to get by. And he was sitting in her parlor and, and uh, actually it was like a uh, two or three room, uh, an apartment. And uh, she left to go make him some tea. Well, he saw while she was away making the tea, he saw something hanging on her wall and he went and looked at it. Lo and behold, it was a 200 pound note that her benefactor had left her. And so when she came back into the room with her tea, he says, do you know what that is hanging on the wall? And she says, well, that's the only thing that my master left me. But I don't know what it is. And he says, ma'am, that is a 200 pound note. And if you will go down to the bank and if you will cash it, that will give you enough money to live comfortably for the rest of your life. That was her inheritance that her rich benefactor had given to her, but yet she didn't act upon it. And that's the whole meaning behind this Hebrews chapter four that we're studying. We, by an act of faith, have to, once we've entered into that place of rest through Jesus, we enjoin the rest that God provides. Remember what he said. He says, you'll find rest unto your souls. We find that rest by daily walking and acting in faith towards Him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you and thank you today. We thank you for your goodness. Now, Lord, uh, strike this word hard into our hearts that we might know uh, how to walk in obedience towards you. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. 
By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.